Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of the UGA Sports Live Show with Jim Donnan. My name is Roddy DeBulsi, and of course, Jim Donnan is our headliner, the Georgia, the former Georgia Bulldogs head coach. He is with us as always, and we greatly appreciate it. And we will get his thoughts on the uh, Georgia Ohio State game, as well as get him to look ahead to Georgia taking on TCU. We're also joined by Dane Young, who has stuff around here. We'll figure it out later, but we're glad we're glad Dane's here because without him, we wouldn't have the show. So. We appreciate Dane uh, stopping his busy work schedule to come and hang out with us. We also appreciate all of you joining us, and I have a special request for all the folks watching it. If you would, please share this with your friends. That A lot of people may not realize that we were doing it on Wednesday because uh, Kirby Smart had a press conference uh, during our normal Tuesday time. So we need uh, you to share it with our friends. And my Twitter account has been hacked. The UGA Sports account has also been hacked. So... We're kind of screwed there. I can't get the word out until uh, Elon Musk and the Twitter safety folks get our accounts back for us. Fun stuff there. Anyway, uh, crazy game on New Year's Eve. Uh, uh, Ohio State misses a field goal almost at the exact uh, stroke of midnight. Just a storybook ending. Maybe the greatest game I've seen. Uh, just absolute nuts. And I thought the uh, reaction montage that Dane put together of all the folks who were filming that uh, – uh, last kick was just fantastic. The Georgia fans, it felt very much like Kiwi Ringo's pick six last year, and the dogs have quite the challenge ahead of them. But let's look backwards for a while, Coach. I want you to talk. tell me what went through your mind on the uh, through that Ohio State game. I know we had 100,000 people watch the game with you and Dane. Uh, crazy numbers for us. It meant, it meant a lot. Uh, but for the, for, the for the people that weren't in that 100,000, give us your thoughts on the Georgia-Ohio State game. The end of it or what? The whole thing. Well, from starting backwards, this the end of it was just uh, incredible. Uh, uh, Dane and I were talking about during the timeout that how Georgia had worked so hard on getting a push, a vertical push on that guy, and and also that Mac Brown had told me that their kicker was actually the kicker for uh, North Carolina back when his freshman year, and he missed two uh, kicks in overtime versus North Carolina uh, against Virginia Tech. And uh, I think his name is Ruggles. Is that his name? Uh, yes, sir. And Mac said his grandson called him Struggles. So uh, I was uh, nothing to get Cold. I was I was confident that we had a chance that he might miss it just based on that. But uh, And just the, the fact that Champ Bailey was in the building and in 1998, uh, Virginia was kicking a – field goal to beat us in the Peach Bowl, and they missed it there on the last kick. So we had some things going for us, but none of that really, really counts. It's just the fact that fantastic win, uh, great fourth quarter by defense and offense, and uh, it's just the reality that we've talked about. I hope that people have followed us all year that uh, Georgia has done as much as they can with what they have. I mean, realistically – the last two weeks have really kind of put the put the whammy on our pass defense. People have figured out that that's a real problem for us as long as they don't lose yardage and, and run the ball good enough where we can't get into a lot of pass rush techniques there to knowing the down and distance is second long, third and long. So, But it is what it is, 857 yards later. Uh in the last two games, uh, we're still we're still out there for the last round against TCU. And if you would have told me in August that we would be playing a team with a new coach, picked 
number seven in that big eight, big 12 conference with a bunch of transfers for the national championship, I think we would have formed a conga line around the <laughs> building to play them. But at this point, though, they've really improved. They've got a tremendous quarterback, a great receiver, some some pretty good defensive players. So it's going to be a very strong test for us, that's for sure. But uh, uh, we played against uh, better personnel over the last few years than this. But, uh, you know, as a team, they really play well together, got a tremendous punt returner, uh, just a lot of good things about their team. And they've been very resilient, winning six or seven games at the end of the game. So it's going to be uh, – we can't play and just think that we can play and all of a sudden snap on the, the electricity like we did against uh, Ohio State. We're going. To, this team is kind of a team of destiny, a Cinderella team that's making all the right moves. So we're going to have to go out there and assert our will. And But I like our chances. Coach, tell me what you know about Sonny Dykes, his career, and then just schematically what TCU does based on his coaching. Well, Sonny Dykes is a lifer. I mean, his dad, Spike Dykes, was actually the uh, coach at Texas Tech and was a, a veteran high school coach there that did well and ended up being a, the head coach at Texas Tech, actually, before Mike Leach. And uh, – uh, so Sonny has coached in a lot of different places as assistant coach, uh, you know, Texas Tech under Mike Leach, but he was also uh, at uh, University of Kentucky when I was coaching at Georgia. He was actually a receivers coach up there with uh, Hal Mummy. So he's got some uh, prior history playing against Georgia. And then he uh, be became a head coach at Louisiana Tech, actually was the head coach before uh, Derek Dooley got the job. And then he went out to Cal and had Jared Goff, had a really good offense out there, but just couldn't stop anybody and ended up uh, losing his job. And then he picked up the SMU job. And really, he was right in the thick of things for the uh, South Carolina job when uh, Muschamp got hired, and it was between him and and Spikes. <clears throat> and uh, so he, he got that SMU job. And then when Gary Patterson, who had been at TCU forever, probably 20-some years, got let go last year, they actually have a, a big statue of Gary Patterson outside the Horn Frog Stadium there. Uh, and uh, so he took over TCU, and the rest is history. I mean, he, he brought in some good transfers. He had some guys that only have four guys on their team that are on the original team that ever even been to a bowl game. And uh, – I'm sure some of the transfers had, but uh, I like I like Sonny. I got to see him out there uh, at the Hall of Fame. Uh, he, he's just a ball coach and a very genuine guy. You can see his approach on TV. He's very candid and very, you know, personable. So uh, uh, I think he uh, presents a real challenge to us because he's got some good coaches. Uh, Lincoln Riley's brother is the offensive coordinator. Uh, runs a lot of the same stuff that Oklahoma ran against us in the uh, Rose Bowl in, 19, in 2017. He brought the defensive coach over from Tulsa, uh, who runs a lot of the 3-3-5 scheme, which uh, we saw from uh, Coach Odom at Arkansas last year, you know, bringing people off the edge, a lot of different ways that they do that. So uh, different style of tact than we normally play. You know, it's, it's mostly all – 
air raid and uh, and the three three five. So that's pretty much what I know about Sonny. So it sounds like the Mississippi State game is going to prepare Georgia pretty well. It will. They don't do it uh, quite the similar defense to. It, it looks on the perimeter like theirs, but it's a lot more like, uh, you know, Mississippi State will go four down and, and pressure you from different areas, but a lot more uh, Arkansas, uh, Odom type stuff that, that this guy, he was a high school coach in Texas for a long time, a very long time, uh, like eight or nine years. And then he got the Tulsa defensive coordinator job when the guy from Baylor got the job about seven years ago. And uh, so he then he was subsequently hired by Coach um, Dykes there. You know, TCU forever ran the four two five, which we don't really see that that much, you know, uh, two linebackers and five defensive backs. But uh, now they're three three five. I was watching the three three five and I thought, Michigan has the, the best offensive line in the nation. Here. I'm going to take this call and get my doctor's appointment. <laughs> so I'm watching three three five, and I'm thinking, here comes uh, Michigan. Supposedly, you know, the Joe Moore winning uh, award winning offensive line, the best offensive line in the nation. That's the second year in a row Georgia has wound up runner up in that category, and they have, you know, Donovan Edwards, great running back power smash mouth football team against this 335 they're just going to run it right down TCU's throat I guess everyone thought the same thing but I want to point out the uh, you know they basically have three safeties out there and a couple of those safeties you know they'll be lined up over the slot they'll be uh, you never know which of those three linebackers is going to rush and every time that Michigan and they broke off some big plays don't get me wrong but you're not going to be, be able to overpower them you can't just go we're Georgia. We we've got this. We've got the you know the four stars and the five stars. You know Kendall Milton's just going to run all over him. Kenny McIntosh is going to run all over him. That is a complicated defense. You, you're, it's tough to make the uh, coverage calls. It's tough to um, you know the designations as to who's what. You know it's going to be a lot of trickery for Georgia's offensive line and its quarterback. And you're on the flip side, you're not going to be able to confuse you know Max Duggan. Kirby Smart says as much yesterday. Said, "Look, this kid is—he's uh, seen a ton of football. He wasn't the starter. Where's, where have we heard that before? When the season started, you know, uh, and some upstarts. There's some very similar storylines to what Georgia was doing last year. So, uh, when you look at that three-three-five, you think, well, Georgia should carve that up? No, and they do a great job bracketing. You never know exactly who they're going to bracket. So they could bracket your tight end. They could bracket Ad Mitchell. Uh, it's." it's going to be a tricky thing to score a ton of points. Uh, hopefully Georgia does, but don't just assume that because it's the three, three, five, you can run them over. They, and it's not exactly that amoeba uh, defense that we've seen in the past, but they confuse the heck out of offensive line. So that should, that should be really interesting. And even in terms of Georgia's defense against TCU's offense, what did we say leading up to the Ohio state game, Roddy, how do you attack CJ Stroud? You have to pressure him. Yeah. Get, get him out of the pocket because he's such an accurate thrower. It's almost, to me, the exact opposite strategy with Duggan because when I've seen Duggan be really, really good, he's moving, he has people in his face, he's making something out of nothing. That's happened twice against Michigan where he's just kind of throwing a sidearm ball to avoid a sack because he's extended a play, and then it's one-on-one -on -one for that receiver downfield, missed tackle, boom, big play. And I think it happened twice for touchdowns. And if you yeah. account for those and the two pick sixes that they got, I mean, you get close to 
30 points uh, just for plays like that. So to me, this is a real quick turnaround to Georgia just spent all that time. How do we find a way to get pressure on CJ Stroud? And then now you have to flip around and you probably want to keep Max Duggan in the pocket and say, if he picks us apart, we're okay with that. Yeah, when he takes off and runs, uh, bad things happen. It's similar with uh, Stetson Bennett. Uh, he's a very strong runner. He doesn't slide a whole lot. You know, he's uh, he wants to will his team to a victory. He's got the, the heart of a champion, and he's going to be a, a, a tough out. There's no two ways about it. And you got to worry about Georgia's edge protection. You know, uh, uh, no, not having Nolan Smith is showing. It's showed the last few weeks. It, it, it's that's an issue. And I'm not taking a shot at Chaz Chambliss, who's been banged up, or uh, Robert Beal or any of the other guys who can play the outside, but there is a drop off from not having Nolan Smith up there. Just like, you know, coach pointed out a few weeks ago when you lost uh, Adam Anderson, that's, it's a big loss. So you can't just assume they'll go out there, but here's the other thing. I don't think that you had two pick sixes, right? And then you, they drive the field and then fumble on the one yard line, which maybe that play should have been a touchdown. The guy scoots in, but I don't, I don't know that TCU wins that game without, all the breaks going their way. Can they have two games of all the breaks going their way? Well, if it is, then you're just damned. I'm sorry. You just had a luck. They've had a lot of – they certainly had a lot of breaks in that game. But the one thing that, that, that everybody needs to know, we're playing against Tim Tebow. This is the kind of quarterback Barely. this guy is. He uh, He's going to be hard to, to get down, number one, and number two uh, – he, if you do rush him and try to contain him, some of his best runs are right up the middle where he, he sees man under and he, he breaks tackles. And uh, the first time I saw him this year, he playing against Oklahoma. And at that time, Oklahoma looked like they were going to be a decent team. But he broke a 75-yard run on Oklahoma and it looked like Oklahoma was playing little league football the way they were chasing after him. So he's got pretty good speed to go with his size. And he's got elite toughness, uh, a very good arm that can throw the ball deep. Uh, scouting report on the receiver, Quentin Johnson, is a big, tall guy that's got really big-time speed but doesn't run the precise routes that maybe uh, we saw from Marvin Harrison Jr. Or, or You know, he's not more uh, – he's more of just a, a physical go-up-and-get-the-ball type guy. And uh, the running back, Miller, is hurt. Uh, missed the, most of the game, but the guy, the Juco kid, came in and got 100-some yards. But uh, the thing that this team can do is make explosive plays, and they do a really good job of, uh, of understanding who they are and, and, and utilizing their play sheet and getting the ball to their best players. Defensively, give up a lot of points, take, you know, some chances. But, uh, uh, you know, the, the thing about it is uh, – can we steal one more game? <laughs> Can yeah. we just go out there and like we have this whole season, we've earned this season. There's no question about it, but uh, we've, we've been exposed some too. Finally, uh, the, the, there's, there's definitely, uh, I think Brent Rollins did a really good job of breaking down the throws from Stroud the other night. Uh, and everybody gets on Keely Ringo, but he did have seven passes where he defended the guy. Uh, Stroud was six out of 13 versus him, 17 out of 18 against the rest of our defense. And he had a couple overthrows and one uh, tip pass. But, uh, you know, our pass defense outside of Ringo 
is not that great. And Ringo is not doing that much, but uh, we don't have the cover guys that you've seen under Kirby Smart. I mean, Javon Bullard did a tremendous job tackling, uh, playing the ball after it was hit, but he's not a cover guy. Uh, Lassiter is improving. Both our safeties are good at the end zone, but covering man, you, you saw what happened when uh, when Starks got caught up with uh, with uh, the number eight team, uh, Harrison. So I would just say this, as negative as that sounds, if you're going against NFL caliber receivers and an NFL caliber quarterback and they know what they're doing and you play as good as you can, if you don't affect him, he's going to complete a lot of those passes because that's what he is. I mean, that's what the guy is. Plus, he had an out-of-body experience running with the ball in the fourth quarter. I mean, we had no idea he could do that. I guess he said, balls to the wall. Hey, the game's on the line. I'm going to just do what I can, will our team into it. And he almost did it with those scrambles he got in the fourth quarter. So, uh, uh, But if you look back to the Oklahoma game, 2017 we didn't stop them at all in the first half second half we started playing a little better but we pressured Mayfield we came after him and we kept the ball away from him to me that's our best best MO for our team is for our offense to keep the ball away limit the amount of snaps that the defense has to defend where they're just not out there all the time and that's a good formula for success But mark my word, we're going to have to have a good plan if we punt. Either we're going to have to kick it end over end short, like you put the ball down and kick it up high and just try to take 35, 40 yards net, or we're going to have to cover our ass off because this guy scares you. I mean, I'm telling you right now, he can burn you pretty quickly. So that's a real advantage for him. You're talking about having a good game plan. I want to mention our friends at Athens Ford for having a good game plan. When you need to uh, go purchase a new vehicle, they take all the worry out of it. They take all the hassle out of it, and they have multiple approaches. You can go out to the lot see that they have 380 vehicles. I remember what, last week we said they had 470, so that gives you an idea of how many they move through in a week. Uh, they sell a lot of cars out there. Uh, we also – if you say, look, I, it's raining, it's miserable out there. I don't want to go outside into this. Like my office is freezing because I forgot to turn the heat on in here. So I have to put on a big parka type thing to stay warm. You, you just want to shop from the comfort of your own house. You can actually go onto their site, look at all the cars. They have 20, 30 pictures for each one. And you can actually reach out to a uh, uh, salesperson out there and say, look, uh, can you walk out to that uh, Ford F-150 and let's do a Zoom call? Let's do a Skype or something like that. Let's do FaceTime and you just walk through it. Hey, open the glove box. Let me look in there. Open the hood. Let me look in there. And they'll do it. Uh, Timmy and those folks out there will be more than happy to show you around that way. It's just a great place to you know get a car because you have so many different options. One of my favorites is actually go in and order your car. Say, look, I want the, um, the Ford Mustang. I want this color, this color interior, this trim package, this motor, whatever you want on it. And basically it'll be built and delivered to you. So if you're trying to come up with different ways to approach this, you know, a, a different scheme for success, their friends at Athens Ford have you covered. Also, it's Tuesday afternoon. You trying to you're trying to come up with what are you going to do for this coming Saturday, uh, this coming Saturday's um, NFL games or Sunday's games or Monday's national championship game. Hit up our friends over at uh, your pie. They're fantastic. Um, 
Um, excuse me. They are fantastic people. And I can tell you right now, the Drew and Natalie French are sideways because they're so excited about this actual uh, uh, championship game. They're huge Georgia fans. And they have a great program set up on your app. You can go in, go into on your phone. You can go into the Europe app, order your stuff for delivery or pickup for this Saturday, Sunday, or Monday. If you do it today, you get the double points, which is pretty fantastic because you get points for you know every dollar you spend at Europe. Those points add up incredibly quickly for uh, free breadsticks, free pizzas, free gelato, free uh, ice cream, uh, free free. Uh, Brownies. That's all I was thinking of. The brownies are phenomenal. I can tell you I'm fat because of them. But hit up our friends at Europe. You can do it today on Double Points Tuesday. You can order your stuff for later in the week. Or if you just want to say, look, it's nasty outside. I'd like something warm and hot uh, to be delivered. It's the best pizza you will ever have. I guarantee it. So I had two more things from Georgia, Ohio State that I just wanted to mention. One, I understand everyone kind of having the reaction to saying this is similar to the 2017 rose bowl and what that game was just because it was a playoff yeah but actually because of just how the game went i thought the 2017 rose bowl were that was two offenses especially second half that were just playing really really well i i thought that was excellence from two teams i i thought there were a lot of mistakes from both sides with georgia and ohio state and yeah teams caused that too i just didn't think it was as clean of a game it reminded me a bit more of how the 2012 SEC championship game went down to where really whoever had the ball last with the right amount of time on the clock was probably going to win that game. And that was the case with Georgia, Alabama in, in 2012, which. Oh, that was a very fair comparison, Coach. But uh, I'm looking at it. Yeah, it's hard to make comparisons, though. I mean, because you got different styles, different rules, all that. But you can bring out, bring out all those, all those things. But. Uh, Bottom line, when the band was playing, fourth quarter, Georgia was playing the trombone and they were playing the fiddle. <laughs> the, the other thing that I wanted to point out, that there's, to me, an unsung hero in this game, and I'm going to give him his flowers because there, there's two plays that if Ladd McConkey doesn't make, that Georgia doesn't win this game. One is the Stetson kind of poor decision pass lateral deal. He has to get back on that ball, and he has to do it quickly, and he did his job there. Because if that possession changes, Ohio State wins the game. But also, look at the margin of victory. That two-point conversion was incredible. Like, And he's playing hurt, too. That guy's gutting this out. Yeah, I mean, that was a smart play by us going for two there. That's a really good job of knowing the da- knowing the similar – I mean, what's happening in the game, conditions, and thinking ahead, what you got to do. Uh, just a poor play there by – I mean, when you look at it, you run a little swing pass – I never like to do that, throw the ball backwards on the goal line. I'd like to go north and south. I'm sure Munkin had a chance to do it over. It probably caused some difference. It was second four, I think. But uh, the other thing that's that's important to understand is people ask me about a running back rotation. And, uh, you know, Kenny Mack and Milton had the ball eight times, and Edwards had it eight as far as the runs. But both Kenny Mack and uh, – Milton are heavily involved in special teams. And a lot of times, you know, you've just made a big run uh, covering a kickoff or covering a punt or blocking for a uh, punt return or whatever it might be. So sometimes it just the way the rotation gets up, you don't get in there. But uh, we got to be careful. We got so many good players now. We just got to make sure that the good players are in there when you got to make the plays. Uh, Edwards, certainly a good player got some good yards, but he's not the receiver 
we threw him two passes the other night. He caught one and he missed the other. But uh, so I think utilization of personnel is going to be important in this game, and particularly how much twelve personnel, how much two tights are we going to use if Washington can't play? Certainly, Delp is a good. He's done well and it's playing, but are we better off having another receiver in there instead of him? It just depends on whether you're running the ball a lot or passing, but he's definitely uh, not a freshman anymore. He's had all the spring practice. He's had all the fall practice, and he's got some good reps, and he's he's a very viable guy that a lot of teams would like to have him, but he's not Darnell Washington. Nobody is. And with receivers, look at who Georgia's trusting right now in some of these like critical moments where you need to get a first down. It, yes, it's the stars in there. It's getting A.D. Mitchell back. But Don Blaylock. Yeah, Don Blaylock. Uh, Kyrus Jackson was huge. I thought Kyrus yeah. was that the – I mean, that's as an NFL throw, hitting him on that uh, ball down the middle against two men. I mean, Just, both teams hit the play almost identically against each other. At the end of the first half, when it looked like we had already gone in for halftime and they went down this field and scored in 47 seconds, they hit the fullback down the gash against two men, and we didn't have anybody. It might have been two, might have been Tampa, too. I'm not sure, but the linebacker didn't run underneath him, and, they, and the back turned his head and caught it and split the two safeties. And then we hit the same thing to uh, uh, Kiaris. But, uh, you know, if you're Ohio State, you're looking at it like this, kind of like what USC the other day against uh, Tulane. USC up 15 points with three and a half minutes to go. They play cover zero, man coverage, and the guy hits a 76-yard touchdown pass. Ohio State's up 14. They play man coverage on Arian Smith. The guy falls down, and we hit a 75-yard touchdown. You just don't do that when you got that kind of lead. I mean, that's poor coaching. USC also had a kickoff bounce off the guy's hands at the one-yard line that just yeah. wrecked them. You can't do yeah. that in special teams in these games. Yeah, I mean, as happy as Georgia fans were that we won the game, Oklahoma fans were just as happy that USC lost because they got a real mean on for Lincoln Riley. I mean, a real bad mean on. I mean, I got more texts from people sending me the two-lane green wave from Oklahoma, they were just so happy. I mean, it's bad. I mean, the guy left them, that's for sure, but forget about it. But they can't. I mean, they were they were ecstatic that Lincoln lost that game. I'm still getting texts about Ohio State or from Ohio State people. Or, uh, I won't say direct messages because I don't have my Twitter handle. What do I mean? Are they, uh, they, they were robbed or what? They were absolutely robbed. They never called holding on Georgia when Georgia's obviously holding – and Javon Bullard is a headhunter who purposely knocked out Marvin Harrison and clean called that timeout. And then the Brock Bowers fourth down conversion. He was his body was out. I mean, it's they're yeah, hot. I mean, they are hot, hot, hot. Yeah, our guy wasn't offside either. So uh, <laughs> hey, nothing Damn. you can do about it. Hey, I'm still living. With, I'm still living with Jasper Sanks didn't fumble. So I mean, come on. Uh, well, uh, while I have both of you here, because I was <laughs> watching the game from a very nice spot. The oh, hit, where were you watching it, Roddy? It's a nice spot. I got shout out to uh, the folks at Equity Prime Management for letting me, uh, or excuse me, Equity Prime Mortgage for letting me sit in their box. It was very nice, Coach. You, they what? They didn't show a whole lot of replays in the stadium of the hit Javon Bullard hitting Marvin Harrison. 
And Georgia's going to get a reputation because, you know, they've been able to knock out some pretty good players. So if you hate the team or you want an excuse, you can just say that Georgia's playing dirt or something like that. But I'm watching it. It looked to me like uh, Javon Bullard led with his shoulder and hit the guy pretty hard. And uh, he did. That's one thing about what, our team. What did you guys see? You just look at the MO or you look at the history of our team. We've had very few targeting penalties since the rule came into effect. And uh, it's because of the way they're coached. I mean, yeah. we've had a few on uh, special teams uh, once in a while. But I'm just telling you, that was a great play by Bullard in the end zone, a tremendous play. Yeah, I thought that was big. Uh, I want to go back to that. You mentioned some, the bad coaching that we saw in that uh, USC game. I think Kirby Smart gained a lot of coaching credit for calling timeout before the fake punt. A lot of people basically say that he's, he just out-recruits everybody. That's how they were able to lose 13 players to the portal, 15 to the NFL, and he'd just come back. And I know that Sonny Dykes will probably win Coach of the Year. Well-deserved. First year, get them playing for a title. First title they've played for since 1938. But I would make the case that Kirby Smart's the Coach of the Year, and not just because I cover him. Dane hit it right there, and that's the time out of the year. It was it was awesome. The thing about it is you, you don't know if somebody upstairs said, hey, uh, you know, he's got hookups to the special teams guys, and you got the clicker that you go, you know, w- w- once you go off defense, you click the special teams, and you go to offense because you're regulating the game as the head coach. You know, hey, go for it, or hey, uh, we need to run the ball, or hey, we probably need to just run a safe return, or whatever it might be. So either he – had that kind of inclination from looking at it or somebody told him, but it was a brilliant move. And and the one thing that I would say about Kirby preparation wise is he meets consistently with all phases of our team, uh, like special teams, tremendous emphasis uh, with the way they plan the intricacies of how they're going to attack different people. And uh, he makes sure that he, his inputs there, before they even put the game plan together because he's got an idea of what he's going to do. And I'm sure most coaches do that. I did. Everybody did. But uh, as, I, as I've said several times, he's one of the few guys that I've ever been around that could coach every position. I mean, he knows the, the techniques and fundamentals of all the, the 22 guys out there plus the specialist. Uh, so he learned a lot with as his dad was a coach and all that. Uh, I feel like I could – I know pretty much a lot about defensive play and defensive technique, but not the extent that he does. Or uh, I know a lot more maybe on offense, but he knows a lot more offense than I did defense. So, I mean, I'm not in his area code when knowing all about the difference. But I really think this is true. You need to – if you're going to have a position as a player, you need to know your technique and you need to know your assignment. A confused player is going to get his butt beat. So if you know what to do and how to use your the best technique available, you got a chance against anybody. But if you go against a guy like Marvin Harrison who knows his technique and knows his assignment, the best athlete's usually going to win. So uh, uh, we, we do a great job of fundamentals and teaching here. There's no question about it. some of the development. You look at a guy like Everett and Malachi Starks, the way they've improved since last January to right now, unreal, unreal how much they've taken to the coaching they get. 
Well, look, I mean, you took uh, Javon Bullard, a guy that's obviously undersized, and you've made him into an absolute weapon, you know, in that uh, star spot. He's just been lights out. Uh, Coach, I want to mention a couple guys. That, against uh, the run. Yeah, against, yeah, against, against the run. Let, let's have that caveat in there. Uh, a, a lot of people are asking questions about who will be available for this game. And uh, Dane touched on the fact that Lad McConkey was kind of uh, all, the old, all the old maids. They'll be available. <laughs> exactly. Uh, if you go to ujsports.com and click at the very top of the board, Brent Rollins has some uh, more has some deeper notes. And I just thought this bodes well for Georgia facing TCU. Uh, Aaron Smith had a career-high 17 snaps. He also had the best game of his career. He stepped up when you needed him the most. And a lot of people were wondering about uh, A.D. Mitchell. He played 49 snaps in that game. The most he's ever played in the game is 50. Uh, A.D. Mitchell, again, catches the winning touchdown. That's huge. And Jalen Carter, who admitted that he was not in his best shape going into this week, played a career-high 52 snaps. Now, he was hold on 51 of those, but uh, or excuse me, held on 51 of those, but I think that's pretty big. So, uh, I got this, though. Really, if you look, we only ran 60 snaps, and how many yards do we have? I mean, we had 60 snaps. Yeah, that was a low. That was as low. The last time you had 62 offensive snaps was when you uh, played Georgia Tech. So very few uh, snaps, and that third quarter was abysmal. But uh, if you can get uh, a healthy Lad McConkey, and think about this, uh, Marius Mims' best game of his life. Yeah, uh, he had to play good. I don't know that he played as good as maybe they got the grade for him, but he needs to strain a little more. But he really is a good player and a good attitude, and he, he's going to be a great player next year and all this I think you might have mentioned it uh, on one of those reports that he's a lot like Broderick last year, coming to the front here at the end of the year and mm-hmm. doing what he needs to do uh, and gives us, you know, really an extra guy if, if, if McClendon can play. Uh, uh, but the thing about Arian Smith, the first time in any game that he's ever played at Georgia, they caught more than one pass. He caught three the other day, and uh, right. it's incredible. I'd have him on that go route once a quarter, at least. <laughs> Doesn't even run the series, man. Doesn't even run the jet sweep or do anything. That um, we just got different things that we used. Uh, you know, we we use different guys for different things. But having Mitchell back really helps. You know, Brock Bowers played fifty nine snaps out of the sixty two. Uh, he had to with all that situation going on with uh, Darnell and. I hope Darnell can play. I think mean, he's going to get close enough there to where he's going. But uh, he's calling me right now telling me he's in pretty good shape. So uh, <laughs> I, I think it's it's amazing to me that I've had two calls a day, one from a doctor and one from Team Pest USA. So uh, <laughs> either the doctor wants to get you well or the insects want to come in your house. So, uh, but uh, – you're probably got any questions here. Are you going to do a commercial or what's the well, difference? Roddy, Roddy, you had mentioned coach of the year, and that is kind of a product of expectations kind of thing. But this season in college football where everything's different and changing and people moving around, and yeah, TCU completely used the portal to get that roster together. I, I get that. But it seems to me that there is a lot of value in experience because you look at the teams that when you say coach of the year, we say Kirby Smart, there's about as much stability as you get there, and he's a lifer as a coach. Sonny Dykes, lifer as a coach. What Willie Fritz did at Tulane this season is remarkable, and that's a guy that's a lifer as a coach. And then you look at the two quarterbacks in this championship game. You have a coach's son in Duggan. You've got a guy in Stetson Bennett that's been in college football since, what, 2017? 1930s. 
Yeah. So to me, there's a lot of value in experience. And I, I think that's going to prove to bear out as we kind of go through this roster management stage of the sport. Yeah, both of the, the 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 story on the front page of UGSports.com right now is from Sonny Dykes' press conference yesterday, and he mentioned uh, the fact that Georgia's – to go back to two points where Coach said everybody's playing, you have all those experienced guys. You can't – he says, look, you can't shut down one guy. Every team you play, there's like one or two guys. Like, if we can shut this guy down, they'll have trouble. So, if you can shut down Brock Bowers, then, you know, that will give Georgia trouble. If you can stop Kenny McIntosh, that will give you trouble. He said, look, they got a stable three backs. You can't shut them all down. You can't stop all the wide receivers. So uh, there's always another guy who will step up, and all those guys are insanely experienced. Kirby Smart, again, said, you know, we can't trick this quarterback. He's seen so much. Both coaches have been around a long time. It's going to be a great chess match with guys that uh, have seen it all before on both sides. But realistically, and I'm not trying to play devil's advocate here, but if you ask any Georgia fan or you ask any TCU fan going into the season, we were highly inexperienced. We lost almost our all all of our defense. Yeah. Uh, we we lost uh, these backs to the pros. We lost, uh, you know, our best receiver pickings. Um, you just go it over and over. Uh, offensive line, you, you lose three guys to the pros. So. Uh, really, the you know, Broderick Jones and Van Brand, the only guys with any kind of experience coming back. And McClendon played some, but, uh, you know, he'd played a little, you know, a lot more than maybe I gave him great credit for last year. But realistically, here's the deal about experience. It's the best thing I've ever come up with. If you wanted experience, would you want a kamikaze pilot? No. Hey, you you wouldn't want one. He, he had all these chances to kill himself, but he didn't do it. I mean, he got a lot of experience, but he kamikaze pilot that tried fifty times to kill himself, but he never would do it. He had a lot of experience, but when it got time to do it, he couldn't go down. But uh, so I mean, seriously, and that's just a bad deal. But uh, but but I, I think talent, talent and coaching supersede experience way more than experience myself. Uh, if you want a good experience, I want to mention our friends over at Prime Shrimp. Now, for those of you who do not know what this is, and I've had people hit me up and go, what is that shrimp company that you're talking about all the time? It's called Prime Shrimp. They're in New Orleans. They make fantastic shrimp. They actually produce uh, the machinery for seafood processing. But they also have, as part of their business, they have a shrimp processing uh, door-to-door arm of the business, if you will. So basically what they do is they take shrimp, they peel them, they devein them, they dehead them, they put them into uh, bags with different sauces, they freeze them. Then you go to primeshrimp.com, you use promo code UGA Sports, you get 20% off your first order, and you pick all these different shrimps that they have, all these different types, all these different flavors. So they have the, the brand new one, the New Orleans barbecue shrimp, you know, they have the garlic herb butter shrimp, the uh, French Quarter Alfredo shrimp. That's a uh, fan favorite. The signature seasoned shrimp, which is great because it's that Cajun seasoning. You'll absolutely love it. Uh, and they have just the unseasoned or the lemon crack. But the point being, you go and order these shrimp. They come to you with dry ice. They're frozen. It's a great insulated box. You take it out. You put it in your freezer. Then when you're ready, you boil the water. You drop the bag in. 
you flip it over once in about four minutes, you have fantastic, perfectly cooked shrimp, perfectly seasoned that you do with whatever you like. You can put it on Alfredo, you can put it on, uh, put it in the tacos, uh, whatever you like. That's put it in grits. You want the best shrimp and grits you've ever had in your life. Hit up our friends at prime shrimp, try them out. Okay. Uh, also want to mention our friends over at, uh, myperfectfranchise.net. Okay. Myperfectfranchise.net. Uh, that is a, oops, sorry. Can you add that thing? Uh, my perfect franchise is basically a, and this is a concept that you may not uh, be familiar with. Let's say you want to get out of the rat race. You want to get away from the grind of your nine to five. You sign the front of the checks and not the back of the checks. You want to diversify your income. You want to you know, set your own schedule, but you're not sure how to do it. Reach out to Andy Ludecki, reach out to Brandon Beachy, the former Braves pitcher. Say, look, talk to me. They know 3,000 different franchises and what those uh, look at, what they're looking for, how much you need to have, you know, invest into it. They can walk you through it. It doesn't cost you anything. It's free. Reach out to myperfectfranchise.net. Call them, email them, just let them know that, hey, I'm kind of thinking about it. They have done this for tons of people in the Rivals Network. So our site's all across the uh, network. They've helped them out. They've also done it for a lot of the folks at UGASports.com. A lot of our readers have brand new jobs where they are the owners of their business. So hit up uh, My Perfect Franchise. Let them know that uh, you want a new job. A new, and if you don't, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't cost you anything. You say, ah, that's great. But there's so many different areas that you will not have thought of. I didn't realize that the thing existed. I thought all franchises were only basically restaurants. So shows what an idiot I am. Hit him up. Let's go to questions from our friends at ugasports.com. Two primary themes to the questions, so we'll, we'll start broadly with these. Uh, from UJalum95 on Twitter, he said, uh, what is going on with Georgia's secondary? Uh, Ohio State made the DBs look a little bit slow. Was it scheme? Was it Ryan Day's play calling? And this is kind of the, the question everyone's been asking, Coach. What can you do to limit what the secondary has been giving up? Yeah, I think uh, part of it was the talent that they were going against. I mean, certainly NFL caliber players, uh, and they did a good job of of game planning. They hit that over route on us several times where they lined the guy up the slot and went over, all the way across the field and get us between the hash and the boundary. We used to call it a B route. Uh, it's, just, uh, it's just reality right now. I mean – Let's just call it like it is. I mean, th these kids are playing hard. They're just not as good in the secondary playing the ball as what we've seen around here. And there's not a whole lot we can do here in a week except hopefully get some pressure on – more pressure on the quarterback. Hopefully they throw some errant passes. And hopefully you get a couple tip balls, uh, things like that. None of that happened the other night. The guy was accurate. We knew he was going to be, he said, going into the game. He's the most accurate player, passer we played since Joe Burrow. I said that. Uh, and he's going to go high, even maybe higher than what your best quarterback that you like, Will Levis, is going to do, Dane. Oh, <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. I, Let I me toss him that voodoo on me. That was Paul Meharry that was all about Will Levis. I think all the Georgia fans need to go to the Socrates, know thyself. This is what we got. It's not going to change, but the composite of our 44 guys with our offense, with our special teams, with our coaching, all of that together, our strengths can overcome our weaknesses. And hopefully 
be good enough to get the W. The other questions were how do you, what's the best way to attack a 335 defense that's from Spray Dog 22 and then Smitty 65 has kind of a uh, an amendment to that and says it seems like Cincinnati ran some of that as well if memory served Georgia struggled running the ball in games that it's played against 335 defenses so how do you find a way to get the running game going against it Well we did against Cincinnati but we kicked the dog manure out of Arkansas running it I mean that first half against them was just a slaughter so uh, and we've we've had success against some other teams. So you, you got to be careful about typecasting. And I'm not talking about the question itself, but the best thing to do is run right at it. Uh, use your snap count to to uh, affect their stunts where they can't just stem into stuff at the last second and it causes a lost yardage play. So go some on a quick count. Go some on a longer count where they show what they're doing. By that I mean. You got three guys up here, but you got five behind them that can come all these different ways, and it's hard to get that many uh, guys. If they got eight coming, you don't have enough blockers. If they got six, you do, but you got to figure out where they are. So uh, I think running straight ahead, north south is good. Uh, certainly, RPOs are fantastic against those. Faking the run against a linebacker that's filling the gash and hitting right behind him. I think we'll hit several of those against these guys more than we've run all year probably because if you're not sure what they're going to do, RPO is the best thing because if it is a run and it's there, you're going to take it. If it's not and they've got you overwhelmed, you can throw in behind them. So that's what we do against that. Plus play action. You saw Michigan, that quarterback had enough time back there to take a shower the other day. Uh, I mean, they were faking up. They were dropping eight a lot and all, but that J.J. McCarthy just had, you know, until the end of the game where they just lit him up a little bit. But they give us that much time, it's going to be ugly. I'm going to channel my inner Jim Don in here. You ready for this, Roddy? Yeah. If there was ever a time for Stetson Bennett to run the ball on the edge, last game of his get him moving. This is it. Hey, he looked good on the goal line with that sweep. Very good play by um, Monk and uh, putting the guy in motion and, and uh, letting Stetson run. He did have a bad play there at the end of the first drive where the, the end did close enough where he thought he could keep the ball, but they had a linebacker scraping off and we ended up – and it's easy to say, well, if he'd have handed it off, he'd have got – McIntosh would have scored, but uh, – you know, he didn't get the yardage in that game. I thought he would run in the ball. But, again, 62 snaps, and we called like uh, – well, he had 28 attempts. Is that right? And we called like 40 passes because, you know, he had to move around a couple of times and he had some in- incomplete. So, uh, we didn't have that many runs in the game. Uh, Big Fatty, 94, just says, what's, what's the, the biggest key to victory? Big what's Fatty, 94. Big fatty, right. fatty, fatty, Cincinnati. Hey, that's pretty good. Hey, I like that. What's what's the key to the game? What's the biggest key to victory? You know, in a big game like when you're playing for all the marbles, is is just playing within yourself. Don't try to do something. Uh, just play your position and accentuate the the team game. And uh, I, I think, as I mentioned a little while ago, we got to use our ball control, our explosive plays, limit their explosive plays, and cover the punts. I think those are the biggest deals in this game. Why did Georgia State 
negative in turnover ratio. What's that? So Georgia still – I think they're still negative in the turnover I mean, ratio. I would love good. to see that in this we're game. Never, we're never close enough to intercept the pass. I mean yeah. – <laughs> That's fair. Uh, and, and we don't – we cause very few uh, – They didn't cause a fumble, but it rolled out of bounds. Yeah. But we're, we're just – it's just one of those years you just haven't seen a lot of noteworthy turnover type plays. And we haven't turned it over that much either. I mean, that was a poor decision by Stetson on the – but to play a game like that with it, with all those high speed athletes and everything happening, and only have one turnover in the game, that's pretty impressive. That's Better than the two pick sixes that Michigan has. Yeah, Michigan yeah. game. I mean, good lord. I mean, I'm sure Jim Harbaugh will be looking back next year when he's in the NFL and thinking about that. <laughs> but no, that was my point. The big fatty says, "What's the key?" And I, I know it sounds like a cop out to say turnovers, but I'm like, you, the, we mentioned earlier in the show that the two pick sixes Dane was talking about, and then that. They it looks like they've scored on a long touchdown pass, but they say the guy's a you know six inches short. They run the next play and it's a fumble. I mean that's yeah. a huge swing. Yeah. So they got a lot of big plays. Against them. I think we'll do it too. Uh, we, we they just take too many. But the big key for Big Fatty is to get two hamburgers, a chili dog, and some fries and a chocolate milkshake, <laughs> and, and a diet coke so you can watch it. <laughs> you know. This uh, question from Dog Fan, which I don't know how you got the handle D A W G F A N, just Dog Fan on the vent. You must have been around for a long time. Or something. More than likely, that's good. Uh, that's some great Vine days kind of handle. It says on the replay, watching from the sky cam, it was obvious to me that Ohio State's line was allowed to hold on every pass protection play. How do you call a game like that where the other team's offensive line is holding on every play, but the refs just aren't calling it? You got to just adjust. You talk over there on the sideline. You see our offensive players over there with Stacy Searles, or you see the defensive players over there with Coach uh, Schumann and Much Champ. I mean, position wise, you're talking and they're telling you, you know, hey, uh, like I heard one of our players say to the referee, uh, one of the coaches told me, he told, told the ref, the umpire said, hey, this guy's holding me. And the umpire said, I don't care. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, he's being smart, but 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 that happens sometimes. But we got some poor officiating. Those Pac-12 guys, and we're gonna get ACC for this game. Uh, you just never know what you're gonna get from them either. I mean, they they're in the basketball season, so who knows what's gonna happen over there? But uh, that's what we've got. Charge. You can just, you know, in between series, you can say to the to the guy on your sideline, "Look, hey, they're they're holding us. Can you watch for that?" And, and and please, sir, instead of hey, you rotten <laughs> you gotta come. It was good for the goose. It was good for the gander. They're gonna rush three, and then you're not sure which of those, you know, linebackers is coming. I want to see Marius Mims and Tate Rattler's nice big bear hugs. You know, we get, we get very we get very few penalties on on our team. I mean, yeah. We really do. We do get some pass interference, so I mean, yeah, because we do. I mean, we interfere a lot. Well, that's, that's what we have to do. Uh, let's talk real quick about our friends over at Dead Soxy. Uh, if you did not get Dead Soxy uh, socks in your stocking or you did not get them under the tree this year, you did not get them for the holidays, well, screw the people that didn't do that for you. They're, they're awful people and they should have, you know, and you got to have your lucky socks for this coming Monday. So get your new lucky socks from Dead Socks. You can see they have the great Georgia styles here. Uh, they're they're great-looking the socks they're also incredibly comfortable and you see they go up to your calf they don't slide down these uh, striped ones here are like my favorites i love that the, the three stripes on the back 
these I, I don't like. And that reminds me of the 70s and 80s. That takes me back too far. But the ones with the dog prints and stuff like that, they're just really, really sharp. And they right now, if you use promo code UGA Sports, you can go get 20% off any of the socks plus the ones they have on sale. So if you see a set that you like and they're like on clearance or something like that, you can say, hey, uh, I want to try. Uh, let me get these and try them out. And I just go and get the ones that are on sale and save 20%. So hit up our friends at deadsoxy.com. Remember to use promo code UGASports.com. Everyone that's tried them has told me how much they liked them. I've yet to hear a bad word about them. Speaking of never hearing a bad word, I want to mention our friends over at Academia Brewing Company. They do a great job with all their food, all their beer, the ambiance of their place, of their restaurants. Again, when we talk about Academia Brewing Company, people say, oh, it's that beer place. Well, yes, it is that beer place. But it's also one of the best restaurants in a town that's full of good restaurants. They make fantastic food. It's a great place to watch a game, hang out with friends, have a corporate event, sit in the beer garden when the weather gets nice, sit outside. Uh, the bartenders are incredibly friendly. The wait staff is on point and they actually have chefs, you know, real chefs. It's not just some guys throwing some stuff together, um, you know, back in the kitchen. They actually know what they're doing. They do a great job and they make fantastic beers. So uh, showing that uh, the triple out of sandwich, uh, they got the, the Dom is back. They're known for their flatbreads and for their fish. The best scallops I've ever had in my life were actually out at, uh, Academia Brewing Company. So try them when you get a chance. And right now they are hiring. They need some help out there. Uh, I saw some incredibly uh, per hour rates up to like 18 bucks. So if you are a server, you are a cook, you are a bartender. Check out our friends at Academia Brewing Company because they're hiring and they need they need some help out there. Similar questions from Obi-Wan and Bush Dog. Do you think that we'll see more 11 versus 12 personnel if Darnell Washington cannot play? Yeah, I do. I just think, particularly with the receivers coming back, I think it's just uh, to your advantage to use your best players. But I think they're certainly capable. And the one good thing about 12 is it gives you a balanced look against a 3-3-5, so you're protecting both edges. If, if you're in 11 with a, only one tight end, the weak side guy can come off and they can stunt between the tackle and in and maybe catch you from the back side. So we – I'm probably going to change my answer a little bit. We might see 12 just because of their scheme more than because of personnel. I mean, I just think we might use a little 12 there. Maybe not near as much as we've used, but but all of a sudden, if if Washington is out there and he can play, it would be huge for us because we would play 12 like the Russians were in St. Louis. <laughs> Coach, wouldn't it make more sense – and again, show me where I, I know I'm wrong on this, but to basically spread them out, just spread out as wide as you can go, make them declare with those uh, inside linebackers what they're doing, or those, those three linebackers, make it uh, get everybody out there uh, far wide. I don't say it's exactly like Tennessee, but I can see how spreading them out makes them makes them a little easier to read. Yeah, it is, but you got to realize that their, their front is the three guys, so the two uh, outside guys. It, can go out there, but they also can come off the edge from that position too. Uh, yeah, okay. you've, got, you've got five underneath players that can move around and do. So you, ostensibly you could run three, five, three, and the, the two guys be wide and then they plug two backers. So we're, we're really good at picking I up. I was going to something. <laughs> no, it's a good plan. We're, we're really good at, 
picking up the different looks uh, uh, because we really work hard on it. But I can see us, you know, one of the best things we do is line up and empty, which that means no backs, make them declare what they're in, and then all of a sudden shift our back back to, to the backfield, and then they have to redeclare. So it's hard to make a call if you're shifting and then they're moving back and forth. So it'll be a chess match. Uh, with Kenny Mack, you're really good with him lining up wide. You know, we caught, he caught a screen out there for a touchdown as a slot, and they thought we were probably going to shift him back. They left a backer out there on him, and it was ugly him trying to cover him. Now I'm just curious why they use the word declare on that. Like I'm thinking old Southern, I do declare. Yeah, that that's pretty good, pretty good accent. But you know, you got to make it. Hey, I, this is the way I used to say it: declare what you're in. You know, or <laughs> I, I'm just curious of the verb in. choice. Tell them what you're in. Tell them what you're in. Yeah. Uh, similar questions from Mac Daddy Dog and OU Herschel Walker. They're curious about how you slow down a quarterback and Max Duggan coach that you said has some Tim Tebow like qualities. Here's the question from OU Herschel Walker. How often do you think that Georgia spies Duggan, and how do you determine when you spy a quarterback? Is that down and distance, or is it the formation, or do you just do it every play? A little bit of down and distance, but also, uh, you know, formationally, they, they have a tendency if they go empty, no backs, he, he, he if you're in man coverage, he's probably going to check to the quarterback draw uh, because nobody on the quarterback, so you've got to put somebody on him. But I think gang tackling is important, hitting him from behind, causing uh, – he's had a tendency just like anybody when, when you get hit from behind, you drop the ball. So uh, – and I think I've read about so many coaches talking about it because of the difference between the last game of the year and then the, the semifinals, three to four weeks, tackling is not as good. I think our tackling will be better – because we played a game and we're playing a week later than it was in the last game. So we had a lot of times to get a guy for a even or no gain and they about three or four yards because we didn't wrap him up. So uh, <clears throat> game tackling is important in a game like this. And I kind of want to end the show here as we begin to wrap it. We need to acknowledge just how historic this is where Georgia is at this point. And, and I think a lot of people do it, but as Georgia prepares to play for yet another national championship, what's that, three in the last six years? Like, that's remarkable. Yeah, there are a man. lot of really, really good football teams that don't come close to that. Yeah, just it really is good. Uh, I, think, I think, too, uh, just because you're a favorite, like we are 13.5 uh, – uh, you go back to uh, go back to to uh, back to 2002. I think uh, Miami was a prohibitive favorite and uh, got beat. Uh, you know it, it can happen. Uh, you, you, you game itself though. You gotta. I had some stats here that I was going to read and a chance to repeat. But you know nobody's repeated in a long time since uh, I guess Kirby was at Alabama. So. Uh, I know 2011, 2012. I know uh, Oklahoma. Both years that we had a chance to repeat, we were better the year we were we were than the year before, and we lost because uh, fumbled the damn punt, two punts, and then Marshall uh, on the repeat, we uh, 
had a punt blocked uh, and got behind. So, you know, a lot of these things, the, the little things add up. But uh, uh, you just it, – it's an incredible run, and people need to enjoy it. And, and it's kind of a pennies from heaven run this year. I, I mean, nobody expected it uh, except maybe Kirby. I mean, he planned it hard. You know, he said, hey, we're going to be the hunter, and we've hunted all year, and we really haven't played a team – only team we played this year that was uh, less than a touchdown favorite against us. We were less than a touchdown favorite with Tennessee and this team last week. So uh, pretty remarkable to be double-digit favor in every game. I mean, in my life, there's only been three repeat champions. It's Alabama with A.J. McCarron in 11 and 12. It was USC with Matt Leinard and Reggie Bush, and then it was Nebraska in the 90s with Tommy Frazier. And so th this is rarefied air. And I, I tweeted something similar about that Stetson Bennett can be the starting quarterback on, on two national championship teams joining that class of Tommy Frazier and A.J. McCarron and Matt Leinard. And McCarron tweeted back out and said that he was hoping Stetson would. He's rooting hard for him. So I, I thought that was nice. Yeah, I agree. He, uh, McCarron's a classy guy, uh, really classy guy. I mean, I remember – speaking at the Mobile Touchdown Club when he was a junior, and he was asking me about these different places. I said, why are you asking me that? I know you're going to Alabama. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean, I wasn't even coaching anymore, but I knew he was going to go to Alabama. That's that's a riot. Uh, I also think back to the fact that Stetson Bennett was part of that 2017 team that played for a title as well. So if he's played for three and wins two, it would be the same with Kirby Smart and <clears> – <throat> My take on this is we've I've written numerous times, enjoy this golden age of Georgia football. You, you It's fantastic. You, you hope it continues to run, but don't take it for granted. Don't be – don't snipe when things don't go your way. And if Kirby wins, you know, the Georgia wins on Monday, they'll win back-to-back, that's when you can call it a dynasty. And I don't know what's going to happen next year. There's going to be a lot of guys going to the NFL, a lot of change. The, the team we see in spring is going to look very different, but I do like next year's schedule, you know, so I'm thinking. I disagree uh, with you a little bit though, practice. because I, I think you have to put yourself in position and some weird things can happen just like Ohio state and Georgia. Like that could have gone either team's way. I think oh, Georgia yeah. already is a dynasty for where the program is, how other people view them, the way that that Tennessee game happens where Tennessee's on fire and then Georgia just completely snuffs it out. I, I think this is a dynasty already. And I don't think the result of the next game matters to determine that. It does. Yeah. The title game history of rare double digit favorites winning Zero and two, Miami minus 12 versus Ohio State in 2002, and FSU minus 11, five versus Oklahoma in 2000. Well, there's a great downer. And uh, TCU has 18 first year transfer players on their team. Wow. That's a lot of them. But, uh, but anyhow, Georgia has zero. I, I just, uh, what a year we've had. I've enjoyed, uh, watching our team develop and handling adversity and uh, making things happen. And it just uh, seems like it's in the cards. I mean, I just think they're going to keep on trucking. Yep. All right, folks, that's all the time we have for this week's show. We will be back. Uh, I actually, I don't think we'll be able to do Tuesday next week because we'll be driving back from. You're driving? Yeah. From, from, from Los Angeles? Yes, from L.A. to Vegas, smartass. Uh, so don't cut me off. 
We're going from LA to Vegas. We'll be riding back to catch our flight back home. So uh, I think if we're going to do the show, it'll probably have to be Wednesday or maybe uh, uh, Tuesday night from the airport. But uh, hopefully next week we'll be able to talk about Georgia winning back to back. And Danny and I can argue whether or not it's a dynasty. Although if they win both, then there won't be any question whatsoever. So anyway, folks, uh, shout out to all of our sponsors. Of course, uh, Prime Shrimp, Your Pie, Dead Soxy, My Perfect Franchise, Academia Brewery Company, and Athens Ford. We appreciate them sponsoring us all last year, and we look forward to another great year. We appreciate all of you who shared this when we asked you at the beginning, and all of you who have uh, been patrons of our sponsors. It means a lot to us, and it makes them very happy, and we appreciate them, uh, uh, all the work they've done for us this year. It's been a great football season, and hopefully Georgia goes out on top Monday night, and we will see you the following in the following days to talk about it. So take care. We'll see you next week.